Does creation being very good mean there was no death before the fall? One of the most cited passages to think there wasn't any kind of death before the fall is because God calls his creation very good in Genesis 1. The logic goes that God would not call any kind of death like a mountain lion tearing apart a gazelle good and therefore he would never have called that kind of creation very good. John Calvin noted, for it appears that all of the evils of the present life, which experience proves to be innumerable, have proceeded from the same fountain, i.e. the embrace of evil by human beings in the fall. The inclemency of the air, frost, thunders, and unseasonable rains, drought, and whatever is disorderly in the world are the fruits of sin. Nor is there any other primary cause of diseases. Troy Lacey on Answers in Genesis' website even says, Since God is perfect, anything short of perfection could not accurately be identified as very good. Would the perfectly holy and morally pure creature call a world full of death, suffering, and disease very good? From a rhetorical standpoint, it makes sense why so many would find this argument so strong. God is great and perfect and therefore he must have an extra super high standard for what is good there's also a really deep depressing feeling associated with death and suffering obviously god wouldn't think that was very good right well there's actually a long list of reasons this argument fails in this video i'm going to talk about how the words very good are used in the Bible, what they mean in Genesis 1, and why they most probably don't refer to something that is lacking of animal and human death. Before we dive into the topic, I want to remind everyone that the question of what very good means really isn't that big of a deal. If you are an evolutionist and you conclude very good refers to a perfect creation without any kind of death, there are lots of views on Genesis which are consistent with that and evolution. If you are a young earth creationist and you end up concluding that very good means something other than a perfect creation without any kind of death. Well, that's okay too, because there's a long list of other verses that people are just as confident about, which are used to justify there not being any death before the fall. In other words, you can press off this video later saying, hey, I have a different view of what very good means in Genesis 1, and I still think there wasn't death before the fall. Also, if you want to see my thoughts on other arguments regarding the idea of death before the fall, make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss out. Okay, so the words in question are very good. Let's talk about how these words are used in Hebrew, which can possibly give us an idea of how God is using the words in Genesis 1. The Hebrew words for very good are tov meyod. There isn't anything special or magical about the words. Meod translated as very is used like we use it today for when describing an abundance or intensity about something. Similarly, tov, translated good, is used when describing something that's above okay or, you know, better than bad. For example, in Genesis 2, the trees in the garden were described as tov lema'echal. The two words tov me'od are used to describe the beauty of Isaac's wife, Rebekah. 
in Genesis 24:16. They're used to describe some good-looking figs, and even the promised land that the Israelites were supposed to go into. You know, the ones with the Canaanites and other idolatrous nations. This land was even called Tov Meod Meod, which would be very, very good, or exceedingly good. As you can see, it doesn't necessarily mean something is lacking of anything bad. Those are all examples of what humans have said about what is very good, but what about God's perfect standard of what he defines as good? It is God speaking in Genesis 1, not humans after all. Well, there's actually nothing in the text nor the entire Bible that says or even implies that God has some special standard which makes things called very good unable to have imperfections. There isn't even a mention of morality until Genesis 3, two whole chapters later. In fact, many times in life, what we see as good is not what God sees as good, and what we see as bad is actually seen as very good, according to God. There's actually nothing in the text, nor the entire Bible, that says, or even implies, that God can't see death as very good. In fact, it says the opposite. In Psalm 104, a text which many scholars think is a different version of the same creation account in Genesis 1, explicitly has the psalmist rejoicing that God provides prey for lion cubs. Dr. Kyle Greenwood adds another psalmist praises Yahweh for feeding animals and ravens, which are omnivorous scavengers who also prey on small animals and insects. In the book of Job, Eliphaz argues that if not for God's sustenance, even the ferocious lion would die, and the lioness's cubs would scatter in search of a meal. Later in Job, God speaks out of the whirlwind and asks Job why God is unable to hunt for the lions or bring prey to the ravens. Throughout the Old Testament, then, animal predation is not a mark of the fall, but the mark of a good creation. We observe this good creation even today as predation in the animal kingdom provides balance in the ecosystem. So question for you, is animal death good or bad? Well, the psalmist thinks it's a good thing. There's actually reasons within Genesis 1 to think animal death is inferred or implied. In other videos, we will talk about how Dr. Ian Proven argues that Chayt Ha'aretz, commonly translated as beasts of the earth or wild animals in Genesis 1, 24-25, should be interpreted to mean predatory animals. We will also talk about how the words Rada and Kavash, commonly translated as subdue and rule, mentioned in Day 6, give good indication that animal death would have been implied. Many atheists say God is evil because he allows bad things to happen. If God allows all this pain and suffering in the world, and doesn't stop it even today, is that not evidence enough that he is okay with it? nonetheless wants it to happen? If he didn't want it, he could do something about it with a spiritual snap of the finger, but yet he doesn't. If God doesn't do that, he obviously has a greater plan than that, and therefore, it actually seems like we should say that the death and suffering we experience today actually is good. Question, could it not be possible that what we find to be perfect is actually not as good as how God defines it? In fact, the way one defines very good is completely up to what the goal of God's creation was. It could have meant something like functioning as intended or fit for a purpose, among other things. Simply put, the text isn't clear exactly what it means and how we define it will be based on how we read the rest of the text. Interestingly enough, 
One of our earliest Jewish commentaries on Genesis argues that the creation is very good specifically because it has death in it. Death is what makes the creation very good. Well, I won't go that far. I think there are some much better possibilities that don't add an abundance of meaning onto just a few words. There are a number of different ways to understand what Genesis 1 means by very good. We will be here all day if I go through all of them. So let's just talk about some notable ones. So after God separates the darkness from the light in day one of creation, God calls it good. The NAT translation says, the Hebrew word tov in this context signifies whatever enhances, promotes, produces, or is conducive for life. It is the life that God considers good, not the darkness. Whatever is conducive to life in God's creation is good, for God himself is good, and that goodness is reflected in all of his works. A different way we can understand the word tov in Genesis 1 is to look at it as part of a narrative where God is being an example for us by working for six days and then resting for a day to make a work week, just like the Israelites were called to do after leaving Egypt. Christy Hemphill notes, the source domain of Genesis 1 is a set of concepts and experiences related to the human work of an artesian and ruler. The artesian ruler is mapped onto God. The conventional work, activities of decreeing, making things, separating, naming, evaluating results, delegating responsibilities, commanding, and providing resources are all mapped onto God's acts of creation. The ruler's realm is mapped onto the domains of creation, day and night, sea and sky, and land and vegetation. And the ruler's subjects are mapped onto the functionaries in those domains, sun, moon, stars, fish and birds, animals, and humans. In the Hebrew cognitive environment, human work operated within the constraints of the unique Jewish cultural practice of a six-day work week followed by Sabbath rest. Therefore, the work week is mapped onto the unbounded time of creation. This would explain why God called his creation good so many times after each day. It is like how we might work on our gardens all day on a weekend, and at the end of the day, after we are done working for the day, we might tell ourselves, wow, look at that. That's some good work. If your dad mowed the lawn and then says to himself, that's some good work, would it not be ridiculous to respond with, oh, no, that's not actually good because, well, you killed all kinds of ants and worms when you were cutting the grass. No, no, we know that the word good has a specific context and meaning when told in the context of doing a specific task for a day and then completing it. Dr. John Walton makes an interesting point. He notes, we can find out what the author means when saying all of these things are good by inquiring what we mean for something to not be good. Fortunately, the near context offers us just such an opportunity. It is not good for the man to be alone, says Genesis 2.18. This verse has nothing to do with moral perfection or quality of workmanship. It is a comment concerning function. The human condition is not functionally complete without the woman. Thus, throughout Genesis 1, the refrain, it was good, expressed the functional readiness of the cosmos for human beings. Readers were assured that all functions were operating well and in accord with God's purposes and direction. 
Moreover, the order and function established and maintained by God renders the cosmos both purposeful and intelligible. You might be thinking, how does Walton get from God calling creation good to God calling creation good because creation is ready for human beings? Well, I'd argue that it isn't just a coincidence that God called creation very good right after creating humans in his image. Greg Davidson and Kenneth Turner argue there is a structure in Genesis 1 which helps us understand the purpose of the different days. I'll add that many young earth creationists agree with this way of structuring. God said it was good one extra time on day three, which is the day where God just happened to create the land that humans live on. And then on day six, where God creates humans, God once says the creation is good, and then right after mentioning everything about humanity, he says it is not only tov, but it is tov meod, very good. In this, we see an emphasis that the very good thing is the humans and the environment that God has created for them. The context of God saying the creation is very good isn't in some thought process of how God's goodness and perfection is so great, but in the context of what is good for humanity. To summarize, very good could refer to a world without death. On the other hand, it could imply that there actually was death in the world, or simply just a point about how creation was a good thing, or a point which focuses on everything that comes from God is good, or it could be a combination of differing points, like being part of God's seven-day work week, a description of God's analysis on how creation was functioning, a literary technique to emphasize the importance or purpose of humanity, and many others. Now remember, this is about what God meant by very good. You can conclude that there was no death before the fall and agree with what I'm saying. Is it possible that God wouldn't have called something that had death in it very good? Yes. Yes, it is theoretically possible, but is it likely? And why would you come to that conclusion when there's a long list of evidence to think that's not what God meant? Anyways, that's it for this video. If you want to see my thoughts on other aspects of the idea of death before the fall, make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss out.